Hi, good morning. It's Sunday, April 5th, 2020. It's Palm Sunday. Next week is Easter. I'm John Firsty. I'm one of the pastors of the river here in downtown New York City, and I'll be giving today's sermon here on our, our virtual church service. Uh, of course, because of the coronavirus, we're not meeting in person these days, uh, so we've been having lots of Zoom meetings and online conversation and blog posts and videos like this one. Uh, it's a virtual church, or as our friends up in Boston call it, Birch. I, I don't know if that name has caught on yet, Birch. Um, but in any case, um, it's great to be with you today in any way that we can be connected. Uh, today's sermon is called, I Want to Get Better At Being Afraid. I Want to Get Better At Being Afraid. Now, listen, I wish I could uh, truly be with everyone here in person today. I would love to give each of you a big hug and close all the social distance. I wish we could gather together in one place to sing and to worship and to pray and to laugh and to talk about our weeks. But of course, uh, that's not going to be possible for a while. Uh, so here we are finding these other ways to pursue this all-important connection. Uh, we're developing some new muscles when it comes to connecting and uh, like these videos and the Zoom meetings and social media and YouTube comments. By the way, please leave a comment here below and we'll respond. And uh, all these different ways that we're uh, trying to get connected these days. Let me just say at the outset, if you or your family is in need of help, please let us know. You can always reach us at prayer at rivernyc.org. And uh, we as a community of faith here in New York City, we want to offer assistance in any way that we are able during this incredibly difficult period of time in which we're living. Our motto is, when in doubt, reach out. You know, if you yourself are feeling a little iffy, please reach out. Or maybe you're unsure about someone else, reach out to them. In either case, we're encouraging everyone to be proactive during this time. When in doubt, reach out. One of the practical things we're doing right now is a, a prayer chain where we are praying for each other's specific concerns and needs. And you'll see the link below here in the video description. Uh, thus far, we have almost 70 prayer requests that people from the River community have submitted. And it's very powerful to read those and to pray along as you do. And uh, we would love for you to uh, add your own request if you haven't already, and be sure to check out that link and pray along with us for the prayer chain. It's been a powerful way of staying connected. All right, so here we are in the season of Lent, which we, of course, call 40 Days of Faith. And it's the period of time between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday, which is next week, April 12th. And that will be followed by the season of Easter Tide. Now, traditional, traditionally, people of faith have set aside these 40 days as a special time of preparation with prayer and fasting and whatnot. It's kind of like going into a training for a big sports event or maybe uh, preparing for a life moment or planning for a special occasion. Um, the idea is that we found that the preparation period is extremely important for getting the most out of the Easter experience. It's really just an opportunity for us to focus our attention and our efforts on our spiritual lives. And in particular, this year, we've used these 40 days of faith to think about an interesting question. The question is, what do I want to get better at? So our sermon series has been called, I want to get better at dot, 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 
And we filled in those, that blank in various ways. We had various great topics all the way along. And today, as I said, I wanna talk about getting better at being afraid. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the day we remember Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem for what would be his last week. It was a week of incredible highs and lows, a week of very intense emotions. And it does start with a jubilant entry into the city with his followers shouting and celebrating and waving those palm branches and praising with great joy. Unfortunately, that joy will be short-lived. There's going to be conflict and betrayal. And it's this last week in Jerusalem, which is, of course, the culmination of Jesus' three years with his disciples and with a wider group of followers and, of course, with his enemies as well. It's this last week where so much happens. The, the Last Supper, the arrest, the trial, Peter's denial, and, of course, Jesus' death. And the scene I would like to look at today is just before the arrest of Jesus. It's a moment where the tension is building just before all hell breaks loose. It's the scene where Jesus withdraws to pray with his closest friends because it's about to get real. It's a moment of great uncertainty for Jesus, and I think it might have some help for us as we face the unknown of living in the time of a global pandemic. So here's how the picture uh, is portrayed in the scriptures, the scene shortly after this famous Last Supper, which we just celebrated. Here's what it says. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and there Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter and James and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Well, I believe this is a moment of great uncertainty for Jesus and his closest friends. And I know that when we read the story, it's, it's kind of easy to minimize it because we know how it's going to turn out. You think, oh, well, this is the dark night before the brightness of the dawn and resurrection is coming. But try to forget that for a moment and just place yourself in this scene. What's very clear from the passage is that Jesus, fully human Jesus, is deeply distressed and troubled at the prospect of facing his own death. Of course he is. I think this phrase, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, it, it could be translated, 
I am freaking out here, which is something I've been saying fairly regularly over the past couple of weeks. And I actually find it strangely comforting that Jesus is freaking out and trying to get God to change the plan. I mean, of course he is. He's full of emotion and it's dark emotion. And also you see that there's a solitude in this burden he carries. He does bring along all of his disciples and then he picks the three closest friends to go a bit further, but ultimately he has to deal with it as a solitary individual. It's an interesting combination of community support and his closest friends and then finally just, just me and God. In any case, this is one of those tough, scary, uncertain, anguish-filled moments that we all experience and we see it here in the life of Jesus. It's a moment where he is clearly dealing with intense feelings, kind of like we are in this season we're in. I have a I have kind of a weird relationship with negative emotions. Now I'm actually a very sensitive person. I have a creative artistic temperament, and that often comes with some melancholy and some other you know negative emotions. Um, and it's strange, but what I've noticed is that for me, I tend to get agitated when others express those same darker feelings that I have. You know, for example, if my wife Sarah, maybe some other close friends express legitimate negative emotions, I often get uptight and antsy and a little nervous. And I find myself thinking or sometimes even saying really stupid things like, oh, it's not that bad or yeah, but, or it'll be all right. Or, or even the completely boneheaded, don't feel that way. But of course, feelings are feelings and they are all legitimate. And if I'm honest, I probably don't give myself enough latitude to fully own my own emotions sometimes. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because I've, I've, I've bought this lie that a mature Christian somehow rises above the negative, which of course is really just another way of saying denial. The way to peace and to maturity is not to deny our feelings, but to express them in a reasonably healthy way. And sometimes the most constructive thing I can do is to fall to the ground like Jesus did in fear and sorrow and say, God, what is the deal? Yes, I do believe that ultimately you're in control, but come on. It's okay. It's okay to be sad, be angry, to be afraid. These are natural emotions, and I want to get better at feeling them and at allowing others to feel them. So yes, I've called the sermon. I want to get better at being afraid. Now, perhaps you're a knowledgeable Bible person who's thinking, now wait a minute, John. One of the most repeated commands in scriptures is do not be afraid. Yes, I am aware that be not afraid is a super common exhortation in the Bible. But I don't buy this oversimplified way that sometimes people of faith approach the command. When we're faced with actual life-threatening, globe-altering, once-in-a-century catastrophe, of course we're going to be afraid. We should be afraid. And I have to believe that God's encouragement to all of us here on planet Earth as we face the admittedly horrifying possibilities of mass casualties from the coronavirus and COVID-19, God's encouragement has to be more than just, don't worry, have no fear, I've got this. 
Now, I believe that God does have it. He's going to help us get through. It's going to be okay. But I think God would encourage us to experience the full reality of this moment in our lives, which does include a healthy dose of fear. So I'm, I'm going to suggest today that perhaps a better way to understand that famous Bible command, do not be afraid, might be to add a single word. And that word is only. Do not only be afraid. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take you over. But don't repress it or deny it either. It's just part of what we're feeling these days. It's not the only emotion. There are good ones mixed in there too. The reality is we are all feeling so many emotions, I think, at the same time. Was Jesus afraid to uh, face his own death? Of course. I mean, we can see it in the passion, uh, in the passage that we read. He owns it and events it. And, and by doing that, he seems to find a measure of peace and resolution in the midst of this deep distress that you see at the end of the passage. So do not only be afraid. It's interesting to see how Jesus tries to include his friends in this dilemma, but ultimately he processes it alone with God. One of the most curious aspects of the coronavirus dilemma is that we are all facing it everywhere. Everyone is facing it. And I have found a great deal of solace in the solidarity. I mean, this thing is awful and it's overwhelming, but at least we're all in it together. And that is a beautiful thing, solace and solidarity. And like Jesus, we can gather with our community to process, and we should. Or maybe we get our three closest buddies to process even further, and we should. All of that is necessary. But ultimately, it's just us and God. And fortunately, that's enough. That's enough. So as we usually do around the river, we always like to offer some practical suggestions, things you can try that might help uh, put this into play for you in your real life. And the, I have four today. And the first one is this, drop the formality and the re religiosity in times of distress. Drop the formality and the religiosity in times of distress. When Jesus cries out, Abba, Father, he doesn't say, oh, Holy One of Israel creator of heaven. He just kind of goes right to a very intimate place and says, oh God, oh God, father, daddy. I mean, you know, oh God, oh God, oh God, this sucks and it's very scary is a perfectly good prayer. Sometimes we use religiosity and formality to distance ourselves from God, but this would be a time to close the distance, to make it personal and real. My second practical suggestion is to pick people who can share your burden, but be gracious when they can't. Pick people who can share your burden, but be gracious when they can't. Part of the burden your friends and your community can carry, but part of it is yours alone to process with God, and God will be there with you always. A third suggestion I have today is this one, to allow other people to feel what they feel and not what you feel. I mean, I said it before, but we're all experiencing so many 
different emotions throughout the course of a day. Uh, and, you know, it's a challenge. Uh, it's a challenge sometimes when we're out of sync um, with the people we're with, with our quarantine partners, right? You know, maybe I'm freaking out at the latest projections, uh, but my quarantine partner's giggling at the latest internet meme. Well, that has to be okay. We have to allow people to feel what they feel and not to feel what we feel. The last suggestion I have today is this one. Share your story. It's Palm Sunday and we are one week away from Easter. And our tradition at Easter is to share our stories. Each year, we take time to write down what we've learned and what we've experienced over Lent, the, the 40 days of faith. And we do this to encourage each other because it's always so powerful to hear from each other in this way. And it's so powerful for us to take all that's been going on and to put it down in writing. It's very helpful. So how has a season of Lent gone for you this year? Did you get your big ask? Has God met you in some way? What have you learned that you might share with others? Now, you might be thinking, man, with this virus going on, I'm really not sure. And I sure understand that. But on the other hand, I'm convinced that everyone has something to share. And I think it will be helpful to you and to others to put it down in writing. Now, you can share your story anonymously if you would like, but do share. I think it will be good. There are a couple practical ways you can do that. You can email rivernyc.org, or you can post it on the River blog, which we'll uh, make available this week to, to share stories. Well, that's it. I'm going to wrap up with a prayer and just invite you to pray with me as we conclude this part of, of this video. God, thank you for being bigger than the coronavirus. Thank you for being with us right here, right now, in the midst of all that is happening in the world and all that's happening within each of us as we face this time of uncertainty. There is so much that we don't know right now, God, but we do know that you are present with each one of us and you are able to hold us together with your goodness and your matchless love, no matter what we're feeling. Thank you, God, for being bigger than this virus. Amen. Thanks for listening.